The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I was sitting with the Lord and I was like, so we're, we, we're in this Kingdom, uh, Kingdom Come series, right? Where um, Jimmy's brought us through uh, the Kingdom series as he's working through Acts. And we're just kind of taking a break um, and uh, sharing some, some vision for our church and, and what is the Lord doing here, how is he moving in a special way, and what are we uh, to do about that. And so uh, my job this week and next week is to carry out uh, this vision series for us uh, as, we, as we lead into a big weekend coming up in November. And so uh, I, I was sitting with the Lord, and there's so many, like, to be truthful with you guys, like I, like, I like to preach, I like to teach, I'm always grateful for the opportunities, but it's so much easier, uh, like, if we were just going through a book of the Bible, you know, it's like, all right, Acts chapter 18, get up here and let it rip, right? Teach verse by verse, what is the Lord saying to us? It's, it, uh, admittedly, it's more of a challenge for me where it's, like, extremely open-ended, and so uh, I was encouraged by last week's message. Jimmy uh, led us through the book of Esther, and so I was like, man, I need, just need a good Old Testament prophet. And so I didn't, I had no idea where I was going to be, and I was like, man, let's just start. So I started um, in Micah, and I started reading through the book of Micah, and I was like fascinated that the Lord, uh, through the prophet Micah, you know, of course, if you've read the minor prophets, man, like they do not, they're not bashful about sharing the sin that was going on in the nation of Israel and the punishment associated with that, Okay. Good news for you guys. I'm not bringing the heat on that today. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm gonna. Um, I'm not avoiding it, but that is not what the Lord is sharing with us today. But there is this nugget in Micah chapter four, where he literally, like in chapters one, two, and three. So, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Micah four, that, that's where we're going to be. And uh, but there's this nugget there in in chapter four where he goes from chapters 1, 2, and 3 for talking about the sin and the rebellious nature of the heart of Israel and the, the looming judgment that's coming upon them and the punishment for their sin and, and uh, really the, the disappointed heart of God towards the nation for being disobedient and, and how they were getting ready to enter into captivity uh, into, into Babylon and they were going to be subject uh, as, as slaves you know, in, in, in a foreign land, and, and it's really heavy and, and dark, and it forces you to kind of look into your life and go, Lord, like, where are the rebellious, sinful uh, things in my life? And then all of a sudden, like, it's like the Lord gives you a little bit of a, gives you a, little bit of a break here in chapter 4, and Micah goes into talking about um, the, 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 the kingdom, like, you know, and, uh, and so... I just started thinking, like, while I was reading chapter 4, I'm like, this is it, Lord. Like, you want me to explain to the church uh, the kingdom? Like, and what do we mean by this? Like, I think it, this could be helpful for you guys. It's helpful for me uh, to understand, like, what exactly do we mean when we say the kingdom? Like, we ask people the question, how is the kingdom of God breaking out in your life? Or uh, what, is, what are you doing, you know, for the kingdom of God? How is the kingdom of God moving within the church? Like, we say these things, and some people are like, man, I'm just uh, not really sure. I mean, I know it says kingdom in the Bible somewhere, surely. Uh, but let, I just wanted to bring some clarity to that, and I think that is the heart of the Lord for us today uh, in the first part of our service. And so uh, let's just get right into it, and I'll teach us uh, through... Uh, the, the 
first part of it. So Micah chapter 4, here we go. In the last days, okay, the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And so what's going on here, man? Like Micah goes from from this place of communicating the, the destruction of the sin of people and what it brings about in our lives to this glorious vision of what it's like in the last days when the mountain of the Lord's temple is established and people will flock to it. And there's four freedoms that the Lord showed me here in this passage. There's four freedoms that are experienced in the kingdom to come. And I want to break down what is the kingdom to come and what do we mean when we say, how has the kingdom come into your life, okay? They work hand in hand, but they are two different things, okay? So bear with me. What Micah is talking about here, no doubt about it, is the literal kingdom of God that we call the millennium. It is the thousand-year reign and rule of Jesus Christ on planet Earth at some point in the future where he sits on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem as king of the kingdom for a thousand years. That's what he's talking about. And so when we as Christians say, man, we believe that Jesus is coming back, that's what we're saying. We believe that Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of God right now after he ascended from his resurrection, right? He is seated at the right hand of God right now in the throne room of heaven, holy in his presence, seated with the Father. And there will be a day that only the Father knows. Jesus himself doesn't even know according to the scriptures. The Father will send the Son back with the saints to set up his kingdom. Okay, now we're not, we're not going to go into when is this happening or is it before the tribulation or after the tribulation. It really doesn't matter for us, definitely not in the context of today. But it is important to know that we're talking about a literal, actual, physical kingdom in the future. Okay, that's what Mike is talking about here. Now when we talk about the kingdom of God in our life We're talking about not Jesus sitting on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. We're talking about Jesus sitting on the throne of our hearts, being the Lord of our life, 
okay? So, I, man, I hope that's clear for you guys. Like, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, that is what we're talking about. We want Jesus to sit on the throne of our hearts and lead us in our lives right now as we posture our hearts and minds towards his kingdom in the future that we will be serving him in. Like, if you're... Um, unknowledgeable about the kingdom and what the scripture says about the literal kingdom in the future, you're actually missing out on a very joyful and exciting part of the Christian walk. I would challenge you to even say you may not be as motivated to walk with the Lord because you're not even sure what to expect about heaven. Like, a lot of people think that when you come to know Jesus, like, you confess him as Savior, and you believe that he died for your sins, that he hung on the cross with you in mind, and that when he rose from the dead, that if you place your faith in him, you are secure in heaven uh, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Like, amen, that is the salvation experience. Like, that is the gospel But if you believe that heaven is just like this mythical place that the Bible talks nothing about and that you just die and go be with Jesus forever, then you're missing out on a lot of descriptive, intense detail that the scripture talks about what we actually do when we are with Jesus. And a big part of that is reigning and ruling with him for a thousand years in his kingdom. Like, that's super exciting. Like, he will give us roles and responsibilities and duties and charges, and that's a, that all um, has a factor in our obedience on this side of eternity, okay? And so we'll get into that, and I believe the Lord will lead Jimmy and I to get into that in a, at a later time, but clarity around what we, t- what we mean when we're talking about the kingdom is super important. So Micah here is talking about the literal kingdom We are talking about the kingdom of Jesus reigning on our hearts. There's four freedoms that I want to highlight here. The first we see in verse 2, in the middle of verse 2. Number one, it says, he will teach us his ways. He will teach us his ways. So in in the literal kingdom of Christ, he will teach us his ways. How so? We'll literally be sitting with him. And he's going to teach us exactly what he's doing and what he wants us to do. And we'll be sitting with him like a kid in a classroom would in today's time, okay? We'll literally be listening from the teacher in person. Right now, we're listening to the teacher through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're listening to it like we say this a lot, right? John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall not perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, right? And so if we are secure in Christ, we cannot be snatched out of the hand of God, that Jesus, our teacher, our shepherd, speaks to us through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we hear him and do what he tells us to do. And this, so, it, so there's this parallel between the actual kingdom and the kingdom that we are desiring to walk in on this side of eternity, okay? The second freedom is from war. I mean, what a joyful sound to hear that at some point we are going to live in a kingdom or in a life in a world where there is no war. That will not happen until Jesus comes back, Okay? That's just not going to happen despite what the world believes, okay? It's not going to happen through a new president or a new peace treaty or a new army or a new tax bill. It is the Jesus Christ, the king, when he sets up his kingdom, that's when it happens. And so 
For us, like what do we war against, right? Um, We do not war against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, right? But we war against principalities of darkness, against the demonic forces and wickedness in heavenly places. Like our war is no longer, though, with the flesh. Like we don't war with that anymore, right? Like uh, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we're a new creation in Christ. Like if you're a new creation, man, that we're called to walk in that. Like, if you're still wallowing and wrestling in the old ways of the flesh, like, you're still living as a dead man, right? So it it doesn't mean that we can't stumble or we can't struggle in certain things, but um, we are a new creation. Like, we have to live like that. It's like, we'd say, I mean, we we actually talked about this earlier this week about being a sinner saved by grace, right? We are sinners saved by grace, but we need to live as if we're saved by grace, not just sinners. And there's a difference, right? It's a mindset shift, The third freedom I see is a freedom from want. And man, this was encouraging to me because I am so um, sinful in my life. Every week I find myself wanting something other than Jesus. I want a new farm. I want to kill a big buck. I want a new pair of shoes. I want more money. I, I want more sleep. I want, I'm always wanting. I'm always wanting. And like, it says in that kingdom, in the, in the literal kingdom, it says we will not want. It says right here in verse 4, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree. Like you won't want to sit under anyone else's fig tree. Like you will be content, right? Paul says in Philippians 4, uh, I've learned to just be content in all things, right? I'm not there yet. Brother Paul was, was uh, more mature than I in his walk, right? He was content in all things, and I'm learning how to do that, and we should be too. But that's one of the things that the Lord is uh, wanting us to do uh, for the kingdom to come into our life is to learn to be content, learn to not want anything but him and his goodness for us and for other people. The fourth freedom I see is a freedom from fear, and we see that also in verse 4, and it says, and no one will make them afraid. Like, no, you will not fear in the kingdom. You will not fear. And the Lord doesn't want us to fear as the kingdom comes into our life and Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts, right? I mean, we read um, clearly in several places. There were so many places that I wanted to share and I had to cut it off at like 10 um, and won't even share that many. But like Psalm 46, right? Um, God is our ever-present help in time of need, therefore we will not fear, right? Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, right? The Lord is my strength and my rod. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. And perfect love is found in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, we don't lose heart when our light and momentary troubles are working in us an eternal way to glory. Like we don't fear like when there's things that come in our lives like temporary struggles and trials and tribulations that are expected as long as we're on this side of eternity. We don't fear like, for the, for the Christ follower, man, that's not something that we get scared about because we know that God's working an eternal weight of glory for us in that situation, right? That's the kingdom of God breaking out in your life if you're going through a trial and you're trusting in Jesus with it. That's the kingdom of God breaking out. <clears throat> so why are we doing this? Like, why are we talking about the kingdom? Why are we talking about momentum in the church? Why are we talking about uh, even future uh, building plans with the church? Why are we talking about discipleship so much? Like, you know, I feel like the context of what we're trying to accomplish 
is really important. And, and I think Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, would you guys turn with me there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to get there myself here. Like I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, like how do I articulate why we're doing this, right? Like Jimmy talked about last week, the what is a, a, a new um, adventures in terms of like uh, stuff on the outside and the inside of the building, right? That's the what. The, like I want to continue to help us articulate the why behind what we're doing. And I just felt like the Lord led me to 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to start in verse 11. It says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. So if you know what it is to fear the Lord, right? Like if, um, if you've experienced salvation, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and that you have allowed him to sit on the throne of your heart and proclaimed him as both Savior and Lord, then you know what it is to fear the Lord. You have learned and are continuing to learn, just like I am, just like Jimmy is, just like Corey, Kevin, anybody in this church is, that's wanting to know and grow in Christ. We are learning to fear the Lord, but if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you know what it is to fear the Lord. Okay? So, Paul says, since then, Paul would say, this is the, these are the elementary things of Christ, salvation, Right? Now we need to talk about multiplication. What are we to do with our salvation? What do we do with our lives after we've given it to Jesus? This is what he says. We try to persuade others. It's not a sales pitch. It's, it's, it's not uh, some infomercial, but it is a commitment to persuasion, like to being honest with yourself and with people about the deep things of God that surround our life and our culture. It's you're persuading others about the good news of God. Because the truth is, folks, and I've been guilty of this myself, but people live as if there is no God. People live like Jesus is, is nothing. People live like God is dead. People live like they are God, right? And you, you try to persuade them otherwise through the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? We're not to be a sounding gong, right, out on the street corner, but you are to persuade others through the leading of the Holy Spirit that the, that the Lord is good. So what are we, I'm sorry, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what's seen rather than in what is in the heart. He's saying basically, like, I want you to have confidence in what we're telling you. Like, what I'm preaching today, I want you to have the same confidence that I do. That way, when someone asks about the hope that you're living for, you can tell them. Okay? That's what Paul's saying. If we are, verse 13, out of our mind, as some would say, a Jesus freak, right? It is for God. But if we're if we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died, right? If you're convinced that Jesus died for you, 
If you're convinced that he's the only way to salvation according to the scriptures, if you believe that is the absolute truth, that if you are separate from God, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are convinced that one died for all. And that if he had to die, that means we all have to die in order to be raised up with him, right? And in discipleship, we learn how to die to ourselves, we got to learn how to kill ourselves and our desires and our flesh and suppress that so the Spirit of God might rise up in us. And so in 15, he says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He continues, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Like when you're a Christ follower and you're walking in the ways of the Lord, you don't see people like the world does. You're looking at them through the lens of Christ. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Verse 17, a familiar one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and here it is, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is highlighting what we are to do. This is starting to shape our identity. Paul says, if you're a new creation in Christ, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Let's continue. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He's not counting people's sin against them. Amen. Like He doesn't count our sin against us if we've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we are in the ministry of reconciling other people into the family of God through the same gospel. As he committed us to the message of reconciliation. Look, here's another identity in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors, man. When you're an ambassador for the United States, that means the president of the country has said you are the best man for the job to go into whatever country you're assigned to and represent the entire country, the president included, to the highest form. That's an ambassador. We are to do that for the king. The king has trusted us to go out into our country and be the ambassadors for him. He trusts us. We implore, <clears throat> I'm sorry, as though God, yeah, we implore, continuing in 20, uh, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin, speaking of Jesus, for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 6, he, he defines us again as God's co-workers. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. And he says, I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so, man, I just felt like that was the word from the Lord for us today. Like, that's the why behind what we're doing. Like, we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation as God has supernaturally reconciled us to himself through the blood of Jesus and his son. We're doing the same thing, and he implores us and fills us with the spirit so that we can go out and do the same thing and, and allow the kingdom of God to break out in our life as we help the kingdom of God break out in other other people's life and so that we can actually share together with those people in the real kingdom of God that is to come. And so stories, man, what encourages us are stories. 
Stories of the Lord moving. I actually had planned on today telling you guys my story, but that's not what the Lord had. The Lord wanted a word for us out of, out of, um, out of the scriptures. But I do want to share a story on the video uh, with you guys um, about a family um, that I'm super grateful for. And so we'll let their story speak for themselves. I'll come back up and close this out. In 2014, Larry and I moved back from Texas. We had been in Texas, me 32 years, Larry almost 40 years. And the first thing that we did in the little apartment that we were in, that we had to stay in for three months while our home was being built was find a church family, find a church. So I got the computer, I went out on line and I started looking around at all kinds of churches. The one thing that we knew, we wanted a church that was um, a non-denominational church. That's was what we were looking for. And um, I'm on the computer and I find this guy and his name is Jimmy Holbrook. And I sat there, he has videos of his sermons, his lessons online, and I sat there and I believe I went through four of those lessons. So that was, you know, some time that I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I called out to Larry and I said, Larry, I found our church home and we have been at OPCC since that time. Shortly after we came, we actually uh, had lunch with Jimmy. Uh, there was a very important question and understanding that we, we needed to know the answer to. And from what we had seen and what we'd heard going into church, that Pastor Jimmy tells the biblical truth. He only speaks the truth of the Bible. And that was so totally important to us that um, after that lunch with him, we just, we knew that we were right where God chose us to be. We didn't think about three months later that we'd be in far west Olathe <laughs> and have a little bit of a longer drive, but, um, but this is a church that God has chosen for us. And we love this church. For me, some of you know I'm in prison ministry. For me, with the spiritual warfare that just flows around people that are serving in places such as prison, I have to hear the truth of the Bible. God is the most amazing God. When you read his word or when you hear your pastor and he's telling you the truth of the Bible, it just grows within you. God just supernaturally changes you from inside out with having that word, which is alive. We hear it's alive and it is alive. And as we've been here over this time, I just see Pastor Jimmy just more spirit flowing through him and um, just uh, more of a, a concern and an anxiousness to share that word of God. And um, we've heard it lately about there's movement. God is moving. And you know what? If you're a Christian, you want to be where God is moving. And that's why we're here. 
we don't know what God has in store for any of us in this, but God is moving at this church and we're excited to be part of that. I'm going to step back just a little bit and it has to do with uh, why we were here. Why did we come to, why did we come to Overland Park or Olathe? And we, we thought that God was leading us here to, uh, uh, for family reasons. Paula and I both grew up here, around here. Uh, Paula's, uh, has more probably more family, but I we felt like that it was for family reasons, and so uh, when we came, we hadn't been here but about I guess about six months to a year. We we had gone to the church, and, and but all of a sudden a medical problem came up. I was I was dealing with uh, cancer of the um, salivary gland and uh, which had moved also the cancer had moved to the lymph node and so in that process we went through the operation radiation and as far as I'm con as, as far as I know today I am cancer free but as we think about this and we sit down and talk about well why why did we really come here the family thing kind of fell apart a bit and what, what we began to realize that the reason we were, we were here is for two reasons. The first reason was to take advantage of the medical system, the medical system here in the KU uh, medical system. And the other was Jimmy Holbrook. There was just no doubt about it in terms of the, of the, uh, the, the truth, the message that we were getting. We've been in situations this digresses a little bit, but we've been in situations where the pastor didn't, didn't, and, and we've been, we've been in many churches over time. It, you, you can't get to be 80 years old and be a Christian without going to different, some different environments. So we begin to think then, from my perspective, uh, as we be, as we're hearing the truth. Um, I started thinking about the years, you know, in this process, we're, we're dealing with the last five years, but uh, begin to think about, uh, well, what's happened in my life? How have I, how have I walked with the Lord? And, um, I, you know, I went through a period of time, of, uh, this is being 80 years old, I have um, I've raised a family I've been in a, a work environment. I climbed the, the ladder. I've retired once, and then I've taken a different kind of job in the service, service industry. And it seemed like my, my focus on all my life was, was, was kind of, was probably more on progressing from the standpoint of the, uh, of uh, the, the financial situation as opposed to spending the kind of time that I needed to spend in church. You know, I've been to a lot of Bible studies. I've been to uh, a lot of different churches. I've heard a lot of different messages. But I really began to feel as 
after spending time and listening to Jimmy that, that I really didn't know Jesus the way he did. I really didn't have the relationship with, with Jesus that he had. And I, I, as I listened to, and I, I began to feel like, you know, I, I want some of that. I want some of that. And, and not that I hadn't been exposed and done, uh, you know, several things, but I still felt like that, uh, I felt like there was something, there was something missing. And Jimmy brought it out, he brought it out. So um, I began to, uh, uh, through this process, begin to think about how and I think about my past and what what I, what was in, what was going to be important to me in terms of of dealing with with getting to know Jesus. So the first thing I Jimmy asked me to, to to consider being baptized, and the first of all I I thought, you know. I've been through, I, I, I was baptized as a baby. But then as I began to think more, I, if I'm going to establish and improve this relationship that, uh, that I have with Jesus, it, it's going to be important that I publicly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And so that's, that's, uh, that's that's what we did. I was baptized, and and uh, he was. I I have once. I've I've said this before uh, many times in a number of years, but that this this was it. This truly was going to be a change in my life. So as I think about the changes, though, um, as I focused on this relationship with Jesus. What kind of changes? What, what was going to happen? You know, what what's happened in the last five years? Okay. Well, one of the things of, that that has happened is that I this uh, this idea of abide time. You know, I said, what, what is that? And then I know that Jesus says to abide in Him. You know, but I think about it and I say, you know. I, I didn't have abide time. I can remember times in, in when I would go to go to work, and I would probably pray before I left. But at the end of the day, I'm going home and I'm saying, "Well, God, we didn't do much today, did we?" <laughs> you know. So this abide time is important. I I have a I, I take a walk every day when the weather's decent, and I walk about four miles. And that's just a wonderful time for me to abide. In fact, I've started, I've learned a couple songs that I sing, but <laughs> I am not a singer. <laughs> but I have, uh, that, that is part of it too. Another, another part of my abide time is, is to just get off by myself and sometimes just sit there for a while and see what God has to say to me. One of my problems that I have to deal with is that I'm not a good listener. And so I don't, you know, Paula is just filled with the Spirit. I wish, I, I pray every day that I get to that point because I, I am so, I am so much in admiration of her relationship with God.
But I'm striving for that, and I think it's working because mm -hmm. I do hear from the Spirit occasionally. Amen. Occasionally. But anyway, the, the, the abide time, spending more time in the scriptures, uh, prayer, prayer time. I, I pray, I've begun to pray more. And I've, I've begun, to, begun to think about prayer in a different way than I have in the past. First of all, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I have to be, I have to be free of sin to have any expectation much of prayer, much of what I might want in prayer, or might be asking for in prayer. Second of all, that uh, I have to acknowledge and, re and know that when I pray, that, that God is moving, that He is moving. If He isn't moving that minute, He will move. And, and so that causes me to, to uh, there are many, many times in prayer, you know, you pray for something and nothing happens and, and, you, and you just go on your way. But I've, I've firmly believed, and right now I'm, I'm in a situation of, of praying, uh, well, I pray for a number of people, many more people than I used to, but uh, I have a, a situation with my daughter that she has, uh, you th think my daughter, well, she's got to be over in her 50s, right? And uh, she has, uh, is in an abusive relationship and has been for, for several years and and when I first began became uh, associated with this problem I I began to think well how what can I do what can I do about it can I do this or that or this and this or that whatever and and so then as I began to see as I began to pray for her, there was there was a light that came on with her a little bit now she's fallen back, and then she's fallen again, and then she's come forward again. But I just have to know that God's working on that problem. I just have to know. The other part of, of what I call my calling is, is, is how I relate to, to uh, working with Paula. Paula has some medical issues. She has issues in walking. And I, I do feel called, and I, that's all, that has recently been very important as, as to my calling and, and things I have to do. It's interesting because, um, how do I want to say this? Uh, because of her problems in moving around, she calls on me a lot to do things. And there, there was a time when I would say, what? Why me, you know? But she used to, have you ever, I'm gonna go back in history, the movie Paladin. You ever see, or the, the show Paladin? Well, this, this is a guy in the West and he uh, went through, uh, he did various things. But he, in his home, around his home, there was a, a young fellow that, uh, uh, was uh, would, that would do chores, and uh, they called him Hayboy, <laughs> and that being that 
They, they were always saying, hey boy. Well, when that's what Paula used to, she used to call me, hey boy. And then after a while, she stopped doing it, which I'm really glad she did. But anyway, I, I've diverted, I've gotten off track here. Uh, I, I need to probably finish this, but, but I am working hard. I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm, but it's only through being in this environment, in this church, that I felt like that I have had the real opportunity to know Jesus. And I am learning to be with Jesus. And I'm, I'm just really happy about that situation. Amen. Thank you guys for being willing to share your story. And uh, I'm actually going to invite the ushers up at this time. We're going to share in communion. And um, I'm going to have Kev come on up too and uh, start to play for us. But I, I wanted to share with you guys, I, I just, I thought it was really important. As we hear, like, it, it's so encouraging to hear the Alwins and like, you know, to see people in all seasons of life, man, like, I, honestly, I, you guys, you could probably go back to a sermon over a year ago where I talked about my good friend Roy Miller in Arkansas, and Roy, Roy has since passed away, he's gone to be with the Lord, but man, Roy was 96 when he passed away, and he would tell you that, like, he was more in love with Jesus in the last five years of his life than he was the previous 90, and I just, you know, and I, still, I look at the Alwins, and they've walked with the Lord longer than I've been alive, and that is so awesome to see them on fire for the Lord. But I, I wanted to read this letter to you guys. It is important to me. If I tear up, don't worry. I'm okay. Molly and I, when we felt called to the ministry, um, we didn't know what that looked like. We had no idea what God was doing in our lives. And... We didn't even know why the Lord brought us to Overland Park, much like the Alwyns had said. They thought it was for family reasons. I thought it was for job purposes. I was working for GE at the time, making great money, and uh, was just thought we were kind of on the path. And then the Lord softened my heart. I met Jimmy. God was doing some things in my life that I knew were going to be different. So we took a leap of faith. Jimmy asked me to joined the staff, actually first Molly joined the staff, and then I later came on staff, and um, part of that was, was me leaving my old job and finding something new to do, and in doing that, I stepped into a real estate career and didn't take an income for six months, and uh, it was challenging, outside of the church, obviously, but it was more of a part-time role. Anyway, trialing times, like we were stepping out in faith. And on October 18th, I step out in the lobby after service, and I get this letter in this little envelope from the Alwyns. And in it, I got home, and this is what it says. Dear Molly and Shay, one of the most amazing and significant areas of walking a life hand-in-hand -hand with Jesus is one's choice to be obedient to the leanings, callings, urgings, and leading of the Holy Spirit. As we spiritually grow and we go where God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lead us. It doesn't mean that we're perfect or that we have it all together. Rather, our obedience brings a new depth of relationship between us and our three-in-one God. 
we are lifted to a further and deeper connection with our big God, and it truly feels right to be where God leads and sends us. We do not have to understand it. We just have to be obedient. Does this obedience mean that our life settles down and falls into a God-ordained, peaceful, perfect, set pattern? Usually not, they said. But our obedience is a great factor in the growth of the fruit of the Spirit. And that as we continue the obedience journey, we have more and more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to give away. That means we have less of me and more of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Molly and Shay, in our journey, we have been blessed to see the two of you become so involved in OPCC and especially involved in the kids and youth programs. We've been blessed to hear of Shay's being stretched to be chaplain for the T-Bones, his real estate career, and answering the call of the Lord to share the word while Pastor Jimmy was on sabbatical. We know OPCC is a perfect place for young families to be in Christian community. We're tremendously blessed to see young parents raising children to learn about, know, and have a relationship with Jesus. In our obedience to the Lord, we feel called and led to share God's provision with us, with you and your family. So we pray that your four kids and your family, uh, that this will be a blessing to you and that you will hear from the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servants. And in, the, in this envelope was a check for the exact amount of money that Molly and I were short on our debts for that month. And man, you just have no idea, like when you walk out in obedience, like what the Lord calls you to, like the Alwyns had, you have no idea what a blessing that can be to someone else in the family of God, or in, in, and how the Lord just rains down like blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And um, so thank you guys. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.